Hello, and welcome to episode Patrick Birkosh of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Colin Cudmore, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Trevor Shackles. We're doing two quick episodes this week because there's some pretty pressing news this week with the Ottawa Senators, hiring DJ Smith as their 14th head coach in franchise history. That'll be our main focus for this episode. Uh, what are your thoughts on the hire, Trevor? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I got to say for for us to, for us here at the Cosper Pointcast, uh, definitely good timing. Um, I know both of us were planning on having Henry Brown um, some point in May, around mid-May, end of May or something. And then we were hoping that uh, senators would be hiring a coach, you know, maybe like a week later. And, you know, they hired him three days after we recorded the episode. So perfect timing for us. Um, as for DJ Smith, I think, honestly, I, I don't know what what you think about this, Colin, but to me, he was the least likely, or at least I thought he was the least likely candidate to, to get the job just because no one was really talking about him. No one really knew much about him besides uh, some Leafs fans who were, who were um, you know, giving their two cents. But I really thought it was going to be either one of Jacques Martin or Patrick Waugh. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it's, it's definitely not, Ottawa has hired uh, people like DJ Smith in the past, um, coaches who haven't been a head coach in the NHL level before they've done this. Um, but yeah, still, I, I was a bit surprised. And I think overall, I'm, I'm pretty meh on it. But uh, we'll, we'll go over some of the reasons why. Um, but yeah, I think maybe you're a bit more optimistic than me on this hire. I, yeah, I think just to your earlier point, I think that he was just middle of the road in kind of every regard, which kind of um, led to him not being talked about as much. Like, everybody was yeah. talking about, like, hire Nate Wheatman, hire Bradshaw, hire Jacques Martin, or don't hire Patrick Waugh, or don't hire Mark Crawford, or don't hire Rick Bonus. So, uh, I don't know, I feel like everyone was kind of just in the middle on DJ Smith, and, and I feel like, um, just at, like for his, um, as a candidate, I feel like he was also kind of middle of the road. Um, for, for me, he was not my first hire, I'll say that up front. I, I would have definitely rather they, they hire um, Nate Wheatman or, uh, or Bradshaw, who didn't even get an interview. But uh, I think also part of, you mentioned I'm pretty optimistic about this hire, but that's just because I, I have such a low bar for, for the set of right, this right, right. now. <laughs> and I, I kind of expect them to do the shoot themselves in the foot at every possible chance they get. And the fact that they really dodged a bullet here, I, I think hiring someone like Patrick Waugh or Rick Bonus or even Mark Crawford especially would have been um, pretty, pretty bad, especially if they're bringing him in on, th on a three-year contract. Whereas with DJ Smith, I, I've... I've he definitely has his, his strengths, and he definitely has his weaknesses. I don't think he's going to be the perfect coach. Uh, he's, he's definitely not. Um, he's, nef he's definitely not going to be in that uh, top tier in the NHL. But uh, I, I mean, considering that uh, those top tier coaches really, really become available anyways, uh, and the fact that Ottawa is not really in a place to be um, targeting those types of coaches, I, I'm I'm pretty overall satisfied with the hire. I think there's two positive things with this hiring. One is that at least Smith isn't some retread coach like Patrick Waugh, who, totally. I mean, he was only with Colorado, but, and, and, and he had the, his, his rookie season, he won the Jack Adams, and a lot of people were, were referencing that. But, I mean, that was mainly due to an extremely high save percentage and shooting percentage. Yeah. Um, and then the following two seasons, they predictably regressed. They just had you know, horrible shot metrics, and, and he seemed like a guy who, he didn't seem like a coach that is exactly level-headed, let's say. Yeah. Um, so I think, like, at least with Smith, they, I mean, he could be a bad coach, I have no idea, but 
at least there is that upside. Whereas if they hired someone like Wah or Mark Crawford, I just don't think that upside is there. I mean, I think, sure, you might get someone who is, is used to the NHL and knows what to do, but I think at least they... Um, there's a bit of a bit more variance and, and you, you know, who knows, like maybe they strike gold. Um, I mean, who would have thought that someone like John Cooper was, uh, was going to be one of the best, if not the best coaches in the league when they hired him. So I'm not saying he's going to be as good as that, but you never know. Um, and I forgot the other point, uh, what I was going to say. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah, it's a good point that he just, it wasn't a retread and that the fact that he's never been fired over his career, I think is, is a, a pretty good positive. Just looking at, um, mm-hmm. uh, he, he's never had um, a horrible season that went terribly and uh, and left on bad terms anywhere. So uh, it's all been on good terms. He's been on the upswing. He, he's he's still pretty young. I mean, he's in his early 40s, which is uh, pretty young for an NHL coach. So yeah, um, e- even though he may not possess all those uh, new school thoughts like many other young coaches do, uh, I guess we'll get more into that in a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think just the fact that he's young uh, it will help him kind of connect with the players. And uh, I, I know uh, uh, Tori talked a lot about this, and he called him a winner. Um, <laughs> I, like, the, the term in and of very itself vague. <laughs> is very vague. It doesn't really mean much. But, uh, I mean, he's, it also means he's never been a loser. So, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it... I, I just realized I remembered what my other point was going to be was that um, consider, considering where the senators are in their rebuild, I don't think this hiring will honestly matter too much in in the grand scheme of things. If he is someone that struggles, I mean, he's going to get at least two seasons, I would assume, because you can't expect Ottawa to be like that great in this coming season. So I would assume he at least gets two seasons, and I, I just don't think they're going to be good in that time. So. I don't even think he's necessarily going to be the coach when Ottawa is good again. So I sort of almost see him as a placeholder. And if he works out, then great, then he works out. But if not, it's it's not really the end of the world. So I think I think overall I, I'm kind of indifferent to this hiring, honestly, because I think at first, um, you know, I just woke up to the news that uh, they had hired Smith, and at first I was kind of like, oh god. But I don't know. Since since thinking about it more, I think I'm I think I'm more okay with it. And uh, you were mentioning that he, he's someone that uh, who likes to have fun. I think, I don't know if he um, said that about himself. I, I, th- I believe he did. Um, and if that's true, then that's great because that's exactly what a young team needs. They need a coach who can keep things loose. I don't really get the sense that Boucher was always like that. So, yeah, um, yeah that'll be, a, that'll be a, a good change. Yeah, for sure. And, and just based off of anecdotes that uh, we've seen popping up from former players and uh uh, Justin Bourne, shout out to uh, him. His article at The Athletic uh, uh, yeah. talked about how he likes connecting with the players. It really makes me think about how uh, he and Brady Kachuk are going to become best friends immediately. Oh, totally. I mean, what? And then you would assume uh, once once Josh Norris comes up, he will be as well. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll, it'll be a team of three altogether. But uh, uh, yeah, so, so I guess getting into one other uh, factor that was, was touched on in yesterday's press conference was uh, whether the cost actually played a factor in the, in the signing. And it's one thing through the candidates. I, I wonder if Smith w- would have been the lowest cost of the bunch. I, like, we, we know that Ottawa would have probably been outpriced on some guys like uh, Patrick Wong, maybe even Jacques Martin. But uh, apparently Melnick 
give for um, give the give the thumbs up on whatever cost the coach will take. But um, I mean, do we, it's it's hard to really give the Sens any trust with anything they say at this point. So, um, yeah. uh, of course, we we don't really know any of the details of his contract yet, or what other any of the other coaches were asking for. We know it's a three-year deal. Um, as you were kind of mentioning earlier, I, I imagine he'll probably take those three years, and unless the Sens somehow have some miracle success in that in that uh, span, I, I think it'll it'll probably be just those just for those three years. But um, I, yeah, it, it's hard to tell whether he was the lowest cost. Uh, he, he's definitely probably at the lower end just because he's looking for his uh, first NHL job. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's just really hard to trust what uh, Dorian says at this point. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no reason to trust him. And um, I mean, he, he could be telling the truth, but it I mean, it doesn't really matter. I, I do think that, in all honesty, probably Nate Lehman um, was most likely the, the cheapest just because he hasn't even been an assistant in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, and Troy Mann was probably similar, probably a bit lower than DJ Smith. So he was probably fifth um, on, on the cheapest. I would I would say Martin and, and Wall were probably up there in, in terms of price. Um but yeah, I mean, it's not like the Senators' list of coaches, of these seven coaches, it's not like they had tons of pedigree and were all going to be incredibly expensive. So it's, uh, I mean, I have no idea how much they're actually spending on Smith, but yeah, th- there's no real reason to trust anything the team says right now, especially with, you know, things that have come out about Matt Duchesne, Eric Carlson, and, and Mark Stone, and just sort of differing things um that they've said compared to what the organization has said so um yeah like you're saying they don't really deserve the benefit of the doubt but honestly like i'm not really gonna get caught uh too much uh, i'm not gonna get caught too much on uh how much smith cost because i mean who knows at the end of the day he still could be a decent coach and uh we'll have to wait until at least like a few months into the season to see what he's really all about yeah and uh moving on just looking at DJ Smith's resume. Uh, of course, he's coming from the Toronto Maple Leafs, our rival. Um, yeah. But he was apparently coaching their team's defense, and that's uh, what we know. So um, it, it's kind of hard to look at the Leafs' defense the past few years and kind of um, take it, look at it in a positive light. They even last year when they found success, it was it was really on the um, on the toes of their offense that really carried them uh, towards the playoffs, and the defense was. Something that uh, it definitely left something to be desired. Even with guys like uh, um, Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner, both they both uh, are, were very offensive players, and, and um, uh, even on the penalty kill, which he also coached, I think they finished like 18th last year. So it, it's not like it, it's not like he has exactly the track record of proving success in the NHL. But um, again, the, the players seem to. Um, I, I, I mean, we'll, we're going to keep circling back to this quite a bit, but the players seem to love him. Um, I, there was the NHLPA player poll that was in 2018 that had him as the, as the preferred candidate of uh, of an assistant coach to become the next NHL, another NHL head coach, and and, mm-hmm. he, and he won that. So um, it's good that he has that vote of confidence from the players' association. Uh, I'm sure he'll he'll get a good vote of confidence from the from the players in the locker room uh, pretty soon too. Um, I mean, there's going to be development camp right around the corner after the draft, and, and soon after that, it's going to be training camp. So uh, um, I, I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll get along with everyone. Um, but as for his tactics, um, this is where I kind of feel that 
it's, it's, hard, it's hard, really hard to judge coaches on this, especially right after they're hired and they don't have any experience, just because um, there's a lot that's being left out in the press conference that was said in the interview, and it's only going to be until they start hitting the ice that we actually know uh, what he's going to implement from that, from that interview and what he's saying, and uh, essentially putting words into action. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, I actually um, kind of, I found what he said in the press conference yesterday to be actually a little bit inspiring. Um, he mentioned a couple of things uh, about analytics. Um, I don't know, do you have anything more you want to, want to say about that? Yeah, I mean, his, his response, I'll, I'll try to pull it up right here. Um, it, was, it was definitely something that he wasn't dismissive of analytics, at least, and that was good. Um, so he wasn't, uh, you know, if he had sort of said that, oh, I don't look at anything, that, that would be a bit, a bit disturbing. Um, but the actual, the full quote here was um, on analytics. He says, quote, I'm going to use every tool that's going to help us win hockey games. It helps you to double check and triple check that you're doing the right things. I'll take an idea from anyone. I'm going to use those as well as the coaching staff as well. So, I mean, it's a bit vague, but I'll, it's at least like a positive sign. Um, now, at the same time, lots of coaches um, similar to, to him and even Pierre Doran as well have said similar things. So, I don't know. I would take that with a grain of salt because I don't know how much he's actually going to use those things. It, it might even just sort of be a, a thing to satisfy people like me and you who, who, want, who want to hear um, things like that. So, I don't know. Like, like we've been saying, we, we kind of have to wait and see, see what his, what his tactics actually are. But it's at least a better sign than him just dismissing it completely. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, the, the worst that can be made of it is that uh, if he just starts taking analytics as a way to can, to uh, um, just satisfy his preconceived notions. And then True. That, and at that point, it's, uh, it, it's, if you start picking and choosing at things, then it can it'd be actually be pretty damaging. And uh, I think it's worth mentioning the, the infamous Rowan Polak quote after he made a hit. Yeah. It said uh, <laughs> something about... What was the close? It was, uh, it was something what, about well, what, what's, what's his the course, course on, on that, that one? one? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, yeah. it's, it, I'm sure it was said at least partly in jest, um, but it, again, it's just a matter of putting words in action. I think something that needs to be done here is that the senators need to bolster their analytic stuff. They have one full time guy and one, uh, but he's not even full time, is he? Oh uh, no, they do have one full time guy um, uh, who's been like with Elias. Them. Uh, no, he he is their he's their uh, consultant, but they have one guy I, I, I'm okay. blanking on his name who who used to be a video coach and then transitioned to a uh, uh, data analyst. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, but Ilias, uh, uh, as you mentioned, is the guy who works a lot more closely with the coaches and provides them with stuff. So um, he can provide all he wants, but as long as the coaches use them, um, and as I mean, it, it, I'm sure it would help more to bring on a full time guy or even multiple full time people. Like, I know multiple teams are doing this right now. Um, I've been posting positions all summer for analytics interns or um, new analytics staff. So Matt Kane just got scooped up. Yeah, for sure. Congrats to him. Um, <laughs> yep. Coster, former Coster Point cast guest. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, if the Suns can do that, I think that's really going to be a good sign going forward. But, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to um, if – if DJ Smith is accepting of what's put in front of him, if he actually uses it to make informed decisions. And, uh, I mean, there's going to be a few benchmarks for that. I think the first one is looking at Cody Ceci's ice time. Yeah. And I, and uh, not just Cody Ceci, but I guess a few other defensemen and how we, seeing how he uses guys like 
uh, Borvietsky and, and Harper and um, yeah, it, it's um, yeah, we, we know those players aren't all that good and are, have been overplayed by coaches on the Sens like forever now, ever, ever mm-hmm. since they joined the week. So if you can start to um, provide some more um, uh, so, so, some more digestible lineups that aren't uh, starting with Tom Pyatt on the first line, then yeah. I mean that, that's already stepped up from last season, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think to touch on what you were mentioning earlier about the the quote, I think it is definitely dangerous if he is just using, you know, if he's cherry picking stats to say, oh look, Cody CC is good, and and like these stats show it. Um, I think you could interpret that quote in in a different way though and just like if he's using data to d- double check and and triple check things um that's fine as long as he doesn't accept that what he believes at first is necessarily true you know yeah, like if he's not totally. if he's uh if he's only using it to confirm his um his initial beliefs then that's not very good um but yeah i, I have no idea how he's going to use it um and a lot of a lot of this analysis, like a lot of uh, things we say in this episode, is just going to be, well, we just got to wait and see because we do. Yep. And like when we were talking earlier about his defense, um, you know, he was in charge of the PK, and they were, I think, over the past few years, they were about average, in between like ten to fifteen range in like um, shots against and goals against and expected goals and things like that. So I think that's fine especially because it's not like the Leafs defense was elite or anything. Um, but then at the same time, Smith as a head coach is going to be a lot different. Um, you know, perhaps he is really good at coaching offense or something like that. And he's going to have assistance um, to help him on the PK and, and the power play and things like that. So um, yeah, like I don't think that his work on the PK on the, uh, on the Leafs is like some indictment against him. Um, but again, We'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, a lot's going to come down to that. Um, I, I mean, we, we talked a bit about some of the anecdotes we've been hearing, and, and again, shout out to Justin Bourne uh, from, from his excellent article they posted yesterday. But uh, uh, one thing he mentioned is that he really likes his players that play with, with uh, Snarl, was the quote. And, he, and again, it, it ties back to Roman Polak again. <laughs> so uh, I, I really wonder how this is going to affect the Sens' defense core, um, especially because that really plays into uh, guys like Mark Wojcicki and Ben Harper, and it really makes me concerned for someone like Christian Mullenen, who yeah. um, is doesn't really provide that much snarl, but he's still an excellent offensive player and makes up for some defensive deficiencies by uh, just by being a great puck-moving player. So, um, yeah, I, I, re- I really wonder whether he's going to... Um, because that, that that's that's kind of what I was talking about earlier about how he's he's young but he still kind of embraces some of that old school mentality and uh, which is which I mean the NHL really should be trying to move away from so um, maybe that affects the Sens defense score like that um, maybe it even works in, into the offense I mean the Sens got a lot of their um, great guy they they got rid of a lot of their great guys on uh, at the bottom six the past season so um, I'm not sure what what he can provide with that, but uh, yeah, it would just be, yeah. It would just be interesting seeing what the makeup is of the Sens roster. Yeah, well, in that in that Bourne article, he was saying that 
yeah, A, he wants guys with snarl. Um, he, he sees a, a role for a guy like Roman Polak, so you, you better believe that Mark Borowiecki is going to be playing a decent amount, and um, I, I would hope not... I would hope that they he thinks that he, they don't need um, multiple Mark Borowieckis, so like I don't really want to see Harper and Boro in the lineup at the same time, just because there's no real need for that, especially with Shabbat, Brandstrom, and Willanen on the left side. Um, but Bourne was also saying that he's not some guy who just wants a team full of these snarly players and, and, uh, just tough guys. He does emphasize a lot of skill as well. So I, I bet you he's going to love uh, a guy like Thomas Shabbat. Um, and he's gonna, he's going to want a lot of guys, uh, in the top six with a lot of skill. But as you're mentioning, I feel like he probably won't like, someone like Christian Willanen because he's probably going to be paying, playing a lot of second and third line minutes. And I feel like Smith is going to think that players on the second and third pairing or on the third and fourth line are going to have to be, or at least have a bit of grit and stuff like that. So um, especially if Shabbat and Branstrom are ahead of them on the depth chart. So yeah, I hope he doesn't think Ottawa needs too many of these like gritty players. Um, because, I mean, truth be told, I even I think you need a bit of a balance. You can't just have, like, all skilled players. As long as the guys who are, quote-unquote, gritty, as long as they can at least, you know, put, put the puck in the net occasionally as well and at least have some skill. And, like, grit isn't the only thing they bring. Like Brady Kachuk, basically. Yeah, exactly. And he's, he's great at lots of things. Yeah. And I think that's all come, just comes into the same theme of roster makeup, which I think is going to be the biggest wildcard factor because it's something that that many sense coaches in the past have struggled with and have, have got and it's basically what got Guy Boucher fired too is not playing the young players enough so mm-hmm. um, so for me that's going to be the big wildcard here if he can manage the roster properly and he can be that placeholder coach for the next few years who can just um, make sure the young guys are playing the right roles and be, aren't being rushed but at the same time getting a decent amount of minutes um I feel that's that's really what the Sens need uh, if they really want to strike gold with with a coach in this uh, next short term. Yeah, totally. And I think I think overall, both of us are pretty much just we'll have to wait and see. There, it's not the worst hire in the world at all, um, and there's a bit of upside. So I think it's fair to be at least cautiously optimistic about it, um, just because there is at least some potential with this. Yeah. And I guess the next thing we need to touch on regarding the coaching staff is the assistant coaches. So it was, it was basically confirmed yesterday um, that with uh, uh, Mark Crawford not being hired as a, as a head coach, that he was relieved of his duties as, as, as the associate coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also Pierre Grill is, is coming back as, as, as uh, the goalie coach, but uh, they're also not bringing back Marty Raymond, you may remember from the Uber video, <laughs> and uh, Rob Cookson as well. So, um, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's a... It's a it's a farewell to those guys. It's, it's really hard to figure out uh, what they provided, but considering this, the past few seasons, I, I mean, it didn't really seem like much. And considering how much they complained about Marty Raymond and, and his yeah. coaching style, I, I, I mean, he, it, it's almost a bit surprising that he wasn't gone earlier. But all, all these guys were brought in at the same time as Guy Boucher, the same season, at the same uh, when they cleared the bench, but uh, and brought on three contracts, and just uh, they didn't renew them. So... Um, now it's just up to the search for the assistant coaches who uh, it seems like 
Smith is going to be the one who's going to be picking them. He's going to run run them by Dorian first, uh, obviously. But um, I, I don't know. There's been a couple names that have been popping up as assistants. Do you want to go through some of them? Um, I mean, the, the only one that I've heard from you is Bog Bugner. Um, but I, I'm not sure. Did you have other names as well? Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a couple others. I mean, the other one is Chris Kelly, I, I think, just because he, right. he ended the season as an assistant and it wasn't. I, I kind of wonder what's going to happen. He, the players seem to love him, just like, uh, you know, like they, they really often. He, he seemed to do some consulting with, uh, um, but with Belleville as well. But uh, uh, I, I was looking at some guys yesterday that uh, Smith had coached with in the past, and yeah, Bob Bugner really stood out as, um, as someone who would have that good connection. Who, who of course, was just uh, who was fired recently from the Florida Panthers after they, before they brought in Joel Quenville, but. Uh, um, I mean, DJ Smith coached with Bob Boudner as an assistant um, on the Windsor Spitfires for eight seasons, so um, that's definitely a tight connection. Um, there, there's some other names that uh, I, I thought might um, pop up. There is Eric Wellwood, who's head coach of the Foot Firebirds. Um, Jim Hiller, who's an, uh, also an assistant for the Toronto Maple Leafs, who was, uh, or former assistant, who was uh, announced that he, he, he won't be coming back, and of course the Leafs hired another assistant yesterday, Paul McFarland. Um, so uh, th- those are two names as well. Um, David Matzos, who's the head coach for Hamilton Bulldogs, the OHL. All guys that maybe will be in consideration. I'm not sure how DJ Smith feels about these guys, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I feel like Bob Bugner would be interesting just because he has experience as a head coach and is already pretty highly regarded. He actually has even more pedigree than Smith himself, so which is interesting. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, when Guy Boucher brought in Mark Crawford, and <laughs> Crawford had all, had all this experience, but Guy Boucher yeah. had, uh, I guess, a head coaching job. So, um, I mean, uh, it, it, it's really hard to judge coaching impacts and figure out that Especially kind of assistant stuff. coach. And especially assistant coaches. I mean, if, if they're assigned specifically to like a power player penalty kill, maybe it becomes a bit easier. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it's pretty hard to judge. But hopefully he can, hopefully he can assemble a good roster. I remember when the Sens brought in uh, uh, Boucher, Crawford, and, and the others, uh, they really emphasized uh, having a, a big bench. So I wonder if they'll go through that, th- that this time, where uh, if it'll just be a select few. But, um, yeah, just some decisions that will probably come within the next month or maybe even yeah, weeks. Yeah, I... I- yeah, I'm sure there's um, a few names that we will recognize, at least one or two. Um, as for Chris Kelly, uh, you mentioned that the players loved him, and I think it would be interesting if they brought him back. I sort of hope that they don't put him on the bench, though. I, I hope that they keep him in the role that he was uh, that he initially had, where he was like sort of a consultant. I, I feel like that's a good role for him. Maybe he can be an assistant uh, full-time later on, but, you know, just by having a different assistant and having Kelly work with the young players, um, you know, A, that's one extra body in the organization, and B, I think, I, I don't know, I, I feel like we're kind of shoehorning uh, Kelly into this role where, I mean, he might be ready for it, but, I mean, he played last year in the NHL, so who knows if he's, you know, ready for a, a full-time assistant job, and I think I'd rather just have him sort of marinate in the organization for a bit and, um, you know, get his feet wet a bit more and then in a few seasons come back and see what he can do. Yeah, because when he was brought in, he was just working alongside Sean Donovan as a development coach. And I think those yeah. two really excelled in in, uh, in their role, especially working together. So uh, 
maybe they keep him that way. I think he was just kind of brought in at the end of the season as just kind of a placeholder because they, mm-hmm. they didn't want to hire an interim assistant coach. So Yeah. Uh, um, maybe just give – but I, I, at the same time, it's also kind of a tryout. And uh, so I, I don't know. I wonder how that goes or if uh, they bring him back. And, and I, I mean, same thing with uh, – similar situation for Troy Mann. I mean, uh, oh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll be back in Belleville next year, right? Like – I would hope so. I didn't even so think that he wouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, he, he did. He seemed to do a pretty good job there last year. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I hope there's no hard feelings. They didn't get the head coaching job, but uh, uh, yeah, having especially with uh, uh, Trent Mann still being in the organization, I think it's uh, great that he'll still be here, even though he didn't get the job. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, shall we get on to some of the other news? All right. Sure thing. So. Uh, um, I mean, there's, the first thing is the extra pick for Eric Carlson because San Jose, of course, is eliminated in the playoffs. Yeah, and um, so the conditions on the draft pick, uh, because so Ottawa had the second rounder this year, um, and then they have the first rounder in 2020, um, and there are two extra conditional picks. One of them they won't be getting because it was if um, Carlson got traded to the Eastern Conference, and the other one was... It, if Carlson re-signed with San Jose, they'd be getting a 2021 second-round pick. And if he re-signed, plus San Jose made the Cup Finals this season, it'd be a first-round pick. So it definitely won't be a first-round pick because San Jose got eliminated. Um, and I don't know, my sense is that they won't be getting a second-round pick at all. I, I just don't think he's going to be re-signing in San Jose. There's some rumors that he's interested in Tampa Bay. Uh, the Rangers have... Their their name has come up as well, um, so yeah, I, I I don't think they're they're going to be getting that second round pick, which kind of sucks. Um, but at the same time, I tweeted this like an hour ago. It in some sense it'll be a bit satisfying because it'll be another fan base that's sad about Eric Carlson leaving. So in like in like a weird way, it's it's just you know, I don't I can't really articulate this properly, but. I feel like some of the listeners will know what I mean. Just, you know, we're not the only fan base that's sad about him leaving. Yeah, I mean, of course, his time in San Jose was nowhere near uh, like as extensive as it was in Ottawa. But, right. Uh, I, I don't know. I still feel pretty good about his chance of signing in San Jose. I, I think. Really. I, I feel like it's the most likely option. I I, I feel like if I were to place odds, I'd say maybe twenty percent. But I also feel like that's that no other team is that has that. 20% odds. Yeah, I feel like it's it's pretty all over the place in terms of uh, where it can end up. It's, it's still pretty interesting. Of course, I, I think in a tweet earlier today, we're just appreciating uh, his time in San Jose. So I, uh-huh. I don't know. I, I, it, it seemed like he, he really enjoyed it there, even even though that's probably just a, a statement he would have said regardless of even if he enjoyed it there or not. But yeah, uh, um, yeah I, I feel like San Jose just is, is kind of that good fit and they have a whole bunch of other upcoming UFAs so uh, depending on if they re-sign um, some of them or not they could uh, still have the cap space to bring him in um, and, and be a contender for another couple years still because of course Eric Carlson is at a healthy Eric Carlson assuming he'll be healthy which I mean it's hard to assume that now but he, he can really we know firsthand that how how uh, much he can lift a team just to, to contend, just to be a contender on his own so um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm still feeling pretty decent about the odds from signing in San Jose. 
The only thing I would say, though, is that because Carlson was eligible to re-sign with them since, what, the trade deadline, I believe. Yeah. I just, I don't know. If if he really wanted to stay that badly, I feel like it would have happened by now. And who knows? Like, maybe San Jose is hesitant to sign him to a max eight-year contract just because of these these injury problems he's had over the past few seasons. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what contract he gets um, from whoever, from whatever team. Um, because... I don't know. He might not even necessarily get seven years um, on a different team or eight years from San Jose. And his cap it is probably lower than we thought it would have been back in September. Um, so, yeah, it depends if San Jose even wants to spend the money on him. And it depends if uh, if Carlson really does love it there or if he wants to go play with, you know, his friend Victor Hedman in Tampa Bay. And not to dwell on Carlson too much, but uh, I think that. I feel like this is a situation where he would have tested free agency no matter what. So even if he does like San Jose and he really thinks it's a is like an attractive destination, I don't I don't think that uh, I, I think he wants to go through that process of seeing what other teams have to pitch to him and what offers right. he can potentially get because and then that way he can really maximize his deal. And I think once he gets to that point, then he really I, I feel like at least a few teams are going to be able to step up with eight year lucrative offers just because he's Eric Carlson and. And he's going to be that top free agent this year. So um, the guy's going to get paid, even if he's injured. Um, yep, just, he will. Just because uh, free agency can really drive, drive up prices like that. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, that's my feeling on him. Um, moving on to the next point. Uh, this is a bit of a weird one. And it came out of left field. And we've kind yeah. of tossed this around jokingly a little bit. But now it might be a possibility of Jason Spezza returning to the Ottawa Senators. It is a strange situation, and yeah, you're right. Like, people have jokingly said that for a couple years. Um, Obviously, the past two seasons in Dallas, he hasn't, or he wasn't very great. Um, His first three years, he was great. He was like a 60-point player, and it definitely sucks seeing him do so well on another team. And he was healthy, like, the entire time in Dallas. Um, But yeah, so right now, he's... 36 or turning 36 years old so he's getting up there in age probably i mean with his skill set he probably only has maybe like a couple years left um but yeah he he had some quote um like a week or two ago about saying that there was no you know bad blood in uh you know towards the senator's organization and he's got some some friends still there and and he uh he respects them and, and stuff like that which yeah like you said it just came out of left field and he said that he's thought about it. He's thought about coming back and he's a free agent and Otto has talked about wanting to bring a veteran forward free agent to their team. So, I mean, he sort of fits that bill, right? Like he can be someone that can help the younger players. He's been an assistant captain and a captain both in Ottawa and Dallas. Um, so yeah, like I don't, I don't think Ottawa would, Ottawa would bring him into uh expect like 50 points or something like that but he'd probably give you 25 points and just some good veteran leadership i mean ottawa's not going to be good this year anyway so i mean i would be all for it um and just the nostalgia factor would be fantastic as well and i mean if he comes back he knows some players i mean he hasn't most of the current roster was uh wasn't on the roster but when the other times that was still there like he got the roster there's bobby ryan uh zach smith uh, there was, um, who Pajot. was 
Yeah, Pajot. Pajot just played 28 games that year. Cody CC and... Mark, Anderson. And Mark Vrietsky played 13 games. And yep. yeah, Craig Anderson, you're right. So, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's just you guys. I guess you hang out with Chris Deal and, and uh, Chris Phillips still as a... Yeah. Maybe join him as one of the player ambassadors. But I, I feel like if they bring him in, it would it would be more of a PR move, even if he does fit For sure. in on that roster. Just the, the amount of the, the story surrounding a Spezza return to Ottawa would just be pretty fantastic. And I don't have the same connection to Spezza as many other fans, including you, just because I, I didn't really observe his prime as, as much, and I, I wasn't as hardcore of a Suns fan back then. But... Uh, yeah, it just, it just feels like it would be pretty exciting. And, um, I mean, of course, Spezza does have his detractors, but, um, yeah, it would be neat to see another uh, uh, drop pass on the power play again. Yeah, totally. And it, it definitely would be um, mostly a PR move, but it would be nice for the team to bring back a, a former star. You know, he's definitely one of the top five players they've had um in in the organization in all time and it would just be nice to know that not every star player that has left the team has bad blood towards the organization or you know would never come back because it just i mean even when alfred alfredson came back but then he left again because of melnick so it's just it, it would feel nice for for the fan base to know that okay yeah like at least one former star player wants to come back, likes Ottawa, and had a good time in the organization, even though the end of his tenure was, you know, wasn't great. Here's a question: uh, Would you retire Spess's jersey number if he retires with Ottawa? I don't think he quite gets that status. I, I don't know. Like, would you re- would you retire Carlson's? Well, if Carlson came back, then I think for sure. If he but, came back, yeah. But uh, with Spetses, I mean, is is I it's think it'd tough. Be, it's tough. I think this is the reason why the Suns created the Ring of Honor is for for players like Spetsa, who's yeah, who, yeah. Who, who maybe doesn't reach that like extreme like like legendary threshold of it of a jersey retirement, but all right. it, it, but it would also be pretty disrespectful if he just wasn't recognized in any capacity. So yeah. Um, well, I mean, he's extremely underrated. Like, I bring this up all the time. Totally. 687 points in 686 games as an Ottawa center. Like, he was a point-per-game player. Yeah, and of course, the point-per-game stats wouldn't stay if he comes back, unfortunately. But uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm totally fine. I'd be totally fine with it. Um, and yeah. We'll, we'll see where it ends up if they actually uh, pull through with this. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And uh, so, one more <laughs> news item. This is kind of where... Uh, we get back to our regular uh, Cosper Podcast uh, <laughs> topics of talking about the drama behind the Sens front office. And uh, this, this happened a few weeks ago now, but uh, Nicholas Worskowski, the uh, former chief operating officer of the Ottawa Senators, um, left. He left the team. Uh, and there's a few other executive shuffles as well. Um, but, I mean, Worskowski was, was the, definitely the headliner. He was brought in less than a year ago and now he's already on the organization. I mean, he's still with the organization technically. He's 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 uh, staying until the end of his one-year contract. But um, after after that's done, he's uh, he's gone. So, uh, I don't, yeah. Any quick reaction to it? I mean, yeah, not too much to say, but just a lot of parallels to Tom Anselmi, who was pretty much with the center's organization for almost the exact same amount of time. Um, yeah, obviously he is still staying on till the end of his contract through the summer. Um, but yeah, I, 
no idea what happened there. Um, I don't know if this is an indictment on Melnick or just, you know, Melnick realized that Ruskowski wasn't doing a good job. I know that, you know, whenever Ruskowski was um, saying something to the public, he was supposed to be a good public speaker and, you know, so it was supposed to be a good voice for the team, but he was the exact opposite. I mean, he had that hilarious quote about um, if Ottawa traded Stone, this should be like, you should look at it in terms of a context of the rebuild or yeah. whatever. Yeah, opportunity in the context um, of a rebuild. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Um, just very cringeworthy, and I'm happy to see him go. Um, yeah, like with the the shuffle up with the, the front office, it's just a lot of former BioVail employees that Melnick loves to keep around, and it'd sure be nice to see them bring in somebody that Melnick hasn't worked with before. Uh, yeah, and, and, I mean, they, they did do that last summer when they brought in their new CMO, um, but uh, yeah, you're, you're right. right that it's, watch, watch the financial guys are guys who got caught up with <laughs> Monik in the, all the fraud yeah. scandals and ended up being charged, and uh, uh, yeah, that's not really much for uh, for putting trust in, in a team that's really been struggling financially lately, so, um, and of course the turnover doesn't help either, I mean, it, it's hard to look at whoever comes in next to CEO, if, if they even bring in someone else as, as chief operating officer and, and think that they're going to be able to stay long. And just because, uh, I mean, Melnick's a tough person to work with. People don't want to work with him. And, uh, and the only people that want to work with him are, uh, I guess, people who have worked with him before and have had their... Uh, I, I don't even know why, but... Um, I'll, I'll mention the one thing that I, 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 I kind of liked with Ruskowski was just that as soon as he was hired, it seemed... Uh, I believe that he was the one who handled the Randy Lee situation and finally put Randy Lee on leave, which I guess is a good segue into our next topic, mm-hmm. uh, because the Ottawa Senators are now facing another lawsuit uh, <laughs> from the Randy Lee situation. Um, I don't feel like recapping that. Just I, I feel like it's kind of out of the Suns' hands at this point, besides this lawsuit. And they were they were sued for negligence. Negligence. Yeah. Yep. It's bad. Uh, it's it, it it looks terrible, and, and this is what everybody was saying as soon as it happened. Like, put this guy on at least, at least, at least. Yep. At, like, if if he isn't fired, well, one, he should have been fired years ago because he was a terrible AGM. Yep. Two, he's the guy working with these young kids. So if he's being accused of sexually harassing a child, or not a child but a young adult, then ah. It, it, it disgusts me, is all it is. And I, I hate that we have to be talking about this again just because it's, uh, um, it's, uh, it's really a terrible, terrible situation and it really looks bad on the sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll echo those same sentiments. Um, if the senators truly did know about... Anyway, I mean, these are all alleged um, instances, but if they did know about these alleged things that, that supposedly happened, that just is an awful look for the organization like, I mean, for Lee as well, obviously before but the just, driver incident, right? Like, yes, before the driver incident, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, both of those looks horrible on them and yeah, it's just, I mean, like you said, he should have been fired for his actual, you know, performance being an assistant GM, yeah. but should have been fired well before that for these alleged instances. Um, it's just, yeah, there's not too much more I can say about it. Yeah, let's move on to something else. And yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so the other thing, okay, back to some slightly more positive news. Uh, Oli Elsing, he's a name that you'll uh, start to see pop up in the, in the prospect updates in Silver 7 next year, but um, he's also, um, so the Suns signed to him to a contract uh, playing in Sweden right now. Uh, I believe he'll be joining the team in the HO next year. Uh, another left, left shot defenseman, uh, which the Suns have really no shortage of right now. Um, yeah. But it, it, um, even, even though he's a left shot defenseman, there's still going to be a lot of movement going on on Belleville's defense core next year. Um, I believe there's four guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think like what like Golubev, Borgdorfer, Falk, and Elliot. Yeah, Falk and Elliot. Yeah. So uh, all those guys are going to be upcoming free agents. Um, so it's really going to be, uh, so it's really having opportunity to um, bring in some more young talent because the last two seasons there have been lots of uh, young players who have been making the transition from juniors into pro. And this year is going to be much smaller, so um, it's nice to have at least uh, uh, a couple of um, my, more minor prospects to look forward to. For sure. And I think in the end, I don't expect him to be anything more than like an AHL defenseman. If he does become an NHLer, I mean, that's that's gravy. That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all for signing these guys out of Sweden, out of any European league. Just adds organizational depth. Um and yeah, I would assume that Ottawa at least keeps one or two out of those um, four UFAs that you mentioned. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see Allsing. Would we see Allsing at prospect camp? I don't even know. Maybe. Uh, I believe so. How, how old is he now? Right? He's got. Be... I think he's like twenty six though. But oh, it's, it's, no, he's not that old. Was he? Or maybe I was thinking of Nygaard. No, he's twenty three. Twenty three. So. Yeah. I think so. He he'll, he'll still be a first year with you. He'll still be a rookie. So, right. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll be at development camp. I'll be covering that extensively. So uh, if he's there, nice. I'll, I'll give all the full updates on that. Nice. Should we uh, head into listener questions? Yeah, for sure. You got a couple. Um, you can submit listener questions at uh, our Twitter account at CP Pointcast. Uh, we'll usually post a question. We'll usually post a tweet uh, uh, before almost every episode. Uh, asking for listener questions, and even if we don't, you can just uh, add, add us, and we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get to it in, in an episode. Um, but uh, first question, this one comes from Ken Mason. Uh, any precedent of hockey operations updates? What about Jacques Martin, that role? Uh, that would seem like a better fit than coaching to me. He knows the market, knows the league, past executive in Florida, uh meter, probably less costly than most executives, checks a lot of boxes. Um, and just my quick thoughts on that. Um, I feel like, uh, as, as for President of Hockey Operations updates, uh, no updates yet. They're going to wait until the end of the uh, until the end of the playoffs to actually conduct a search, which seems a bit weird considering <laughs> how how they, cause, yeah, considering how slowly the entire process has been going and how this NHL is, uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that has been um, weird that that thought that what that gave us an impression that it would happen faster, but. Um, as for Jacques Martin specifically, um, I, I think it all depends on what he wants. If he's fine sticking in Pittsburgh as an assistant, then he can take that. If he's fine taking uh, the role of president of hockey operations, which, let's face it, isn't really an attractive role, um, then I, I, I wouldn't see why not. I mean, uh, you, you listed all, all, uh, all the reasons right there. Um, but uh, 
And, and of course, he has plenty of Ottawa connections too. But uh, I don't know, any mm-hmm. other thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I do agree with Ken. I mean, he, he has the common demeanor, um, knows the league, things like that. Um, the only thing is, I mean, we have no idea how good he would be at, um, you know, player analysis and um, looking at trades and, and free agents and things like that. He wouldn't be the GM, but he'd essentially be helping Dorian with all those things. So um, I think he would be, I mean, I think Melnick wants sort of like an advisor role and someone to, you know, speak for Dorian. So in that sense, I think he'd be good at it. Um, but in like a technical president of hockey operations, I don't know. Then again, he might be like the only option if uh, if he wants a job. You want to move on to the next question? Yeah. Um, we'll take this one from Ed Brown. <laughs> um, he says, can we call them Corey and Trevor in reference to Colin and Trevor? Um, <laughs> had six likes, the, the reply to this, uh, to our tweet. And not going to lie, Ed, I had to look this up. Didn't know what it was. Same Didn't here. realize it was from Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, neither did Colin. Um <laughs> Sure, you can call us Corey and Trevor if you want. Um, for, for, I mean, first you got switching your name. First, you got to call us Colin the smart one and Trevor the hot one. Yes, did we mention that in episode, or did we just say I, we were going to mention it? I think we just said we were going to mention it, but yeah. Right. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, um, last question. Yeah, this one comes fun. from H E Penny Packer. In light of the coaching hire, uh, what would your guys' ideal deployment uh, look like in terms of timelines for next year's squad be? And I think I, I kind of mentioned this a little bit when we were talking about the uh, DJ Smith, but um, I think it, it'll really come down to a lot on really the key focus is development of the young players. Because the, the Sens aren't doing anything this year. It's, it's pretty much a lost season for the next like, couple years at least. So you know, like development focus is going to be the biggest thing. So if, so, I don't know, if, if I'm DJ Smith, the way I look at it is plan out what you want, or the roles you want to be giving these young guys. So guys like Drake Batherson, Logan Brown, uh, Philip Schlappick, Eric Ranstrom. Um, figure out through development camp, through training camp, what roles are going to be right for them, and give them, uh, allocate them the time on ice that they'll need to uh, properly grow and, pro- and properly evolve their game, and then just fill out the rest of the roster around that. The rest of the veterans, you know what you're going to get in them. Um, they, are, they aren't necessarily going to be making this this team a, a playoff contender. So um, I, 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 for me, it doesn't really matter whether Bobby Ryan's playing on the first or third line. It matters more if Drake Batherson's playing on the first or third line, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, couldn't, couldn't have said it any better myself. Um, as, as long as those guys are getting precedence. Um, I mean, Batherson, there's really no reason why he shouldn't be in the top six just because their right-wing options are, are pretty awful. So... Yeah, just give those guys opportunities. Um, you know, someone like Brandstrom, he might start the year in the AHL, but once he comes up or if he begins the year in the NHL, like he should be getting probably top four minutes. Although, I mean, Will Annan is good as well, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, totally. And um, I will say, oh, sorry, was this about the question? Oh yeah, just just one more thing. I, I wonder if if Brandstrom develops to the point of of. Uh, Smith running like a, a 1A, 1B with Shabbat and, uh, and Brandstrom. Maybe, maybe not mm-hmm. next season, but maybe in the future, because we know how he can manage like multiple 20. We know it's possible to, to manage uh, multiple defense with 20 plus minutes, like which is a certain amount of time in the game to do that. And of course, San Jose does that with Carlson and Burns, just as an example. So 
Uh, I, I don't know. Right. I, I wonder if I don't see that being a problem in the future, but uh, uh, I don't know. It's just uh, an end on a little bit of optimism, I guess. Mm -hmm. I will say um, there was one last uh, question. It was a reply to my tweet um, because I quote tweeted the Cusper Pointcast. Oh. Um, this one just comes in from Gab LaFrance. Um, he says, I mean, we can just kind of do this quickly, but um, breakdown of what they should do with defense for Belleville and Ottawa. Boro, what did you say? Boro, Harper, CeCe, bottom pair, and clog. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I think ideally what they should do is have Shabbat, Brandstrom, Willannon down the left side, DeMello, CeCe, Yaros on the right side, and then I guess Boro is your seventh. Um, I mean, Harper down. Sorry, I, I, yeah. I, ideally they'd trade CeCe first. Well, sure, sure. I just, I don't think that's ever going to happen at this point. Is the lost cause, or is it, is it uh, false hope at this point? I've I've already resigned. I've 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 lost this battle. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go back to your uh, to, the, to your pairings. Um. Yes. Well, I guess it would be what uh, Shabbat Demello, Brandstrom. Well. I guess Branson Yaros and then we'll land in CC or something like that. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, can't really hide CC in there. Um, and then Boros the seventh Harper in the, in the AHL. It's hard to say what they're going to do with AHL, honestly, because who knows which uh, free agents they're going to resign totally. there. There's so much, so many moving pieces. And maybe they bring on someone on an AHL deal. Who knows? There's, there's, there's yeah. a lot up in the air and then we aren't going to find that out until, until mid July, probably at least. So yeah, exactly. Um, they usually sign a few uh, AHL free agents anyway. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, last thing is that uh, we're doing a special few episodes over the next month. Uh, Trevor is heading off on vacation, so we are turning the Cost for Pointcast into full-on draft mode. Uh, I'll be producing two to three episodes by myself. or well, not by myself, because each episode I'll be bringing on two scouts, and each scout will debate some of their most differently ranked prospects on their uh, scouting lists. We'll try to aim the conversation towards players we think could be picked by the Sens. So uh, we want to know who you'd like to hear talked about. Uh, we're also building up an excellent lineup of guests so far. Um, so yeah, again, two to three episodes over the next month. So uh, look out, because I'll be out soon. Uh, we're also looking for some series names, just because it's going to be a mini-series. So any suggestions? Um, we'd uh, really appreciate it. You can let us know on, on our uh, Twitter account or uh, in the comments wherever you're listening to this. Uh, yeah, it'd be appreciated. Yeah, so thanks to Colin for doing that. Um, like he said, I'll be away for the next few weeks. Um, so the episodes that he has, will I'm sure they'll be amazing. He's, he's got some great guests lined up. Um, and yeah, I'll be back just before the draft. So we'll definitely do a draft recap episode. Um, and yeah, that'll be good. And yeah, the next month, uh, it'll be pretty exciting for in terms of the cost per point cast, but also in terms of Senators coverage. As to wrap it up, remind you can find the Cost for Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can follow me on Twitter at CubmarCollin and read my articles at Silver7Sense.com. You can follow Trevor at ShaxTS on Twitter and read his writing at HockeyBuzz. Uh, you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at CPPointcast, where we'll be collecting future listener questions. That's all for today, folks. Adios.